Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me is Jeremy Feinstone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. And we may have to start this show by apologizing a little bit. We're uh, we're not sure how our audio is sounding right now. Uh, I think you're going great, guys. I think you're going great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, much apologize. Uh, big apologies for me if uh, this thing isn't working quite right. Uh, I know that J- Jeremy sounds a little weird in my ears, and he sounds I sound weird in his. So if if we sound weird to you guys, uh, we apologize. But we're we're going live. You know, like a, the old uh, Saturday Night Live. Thing. We're live, pal. <laughs> It's the old Saturday Night Live thing. He says, we don't go on because we're ready. We go on because it's 11. And so uh, and we're still again, five we, minutes late. So we're still apologies for that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just trying to get it all straightened out. But we have a very busy show uh, this week, and there's a lot to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and talk about it here. And uh, Colin says, hey, Colin, good to see you. And he says, it sounds fine to him. Well, that's good news. So uh, we're grateful for that. We have a lot to go over. We have uh, a World Tag League to discuss. We asked for a strong finish to it last week, and we got it, I feel. The matches were better. We have semifinalists for the World Tag League. We got a huge angle coming out of Block A action. And, of course, the big question, is Kazushiko Okada leaving for WWE? Uh, We'll also begin our series on Tetsuya Naito's Wrestle Kingdom history and information on what is in. The Taco Bell Alex Zane meal in Japan. I've got info on that too. So, one, more really, one out of an hour and a half of wrestling talk. Do you really have the ingredients in the menu item? I have the items that are in it, yes. I, I am legitimately impressed by your due diligence and the research that you have put forth today, Stephen Conway. <laughs> well, I, Alex Zane helped me out by uh, putting it on his ex. So that's oh, it. I see. I see. He gave you the cheat sheet and you are passing forth a cheat sheet, which I did not do. So I can't give you any kind of teasing for this because you have done the work and I have not. Uh, <laughs> well, and Dunstan says, hello, the audio does sound weird. We're sorry, Dunstan. We we know it does. We were trying to fix it before, but then we got to go live. So yeah, I don't, I don't, working through it. don't really know what happened here, but we are very sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, there is a programming note that we need to share with you all. And that is below us on the screen. It says pa- patreon.com slash Fight Game Media. In two weeks, the Patreon part of Fight Game Media is going away, but the rest of it will remain. Uh, If you are a loyal subscriber to the Patreon, we thank you. Uh, It has been a fun run. We've enjoyed everything about the monetary contributions, but we are going to lift the paywall because the work versus output uh, ratio has shifted somewhat recently, and we decided it was in our best interest to just pull everything off the uh, paywall and, and bring it up front. So what does that mean for you? That means that all the fight game media content that you find on the $5 tier will be available audio for free on the free fight game media feed. What does that mean for us? Well, we will remain on YouTube on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We will no longer have an audio feed with the fight game media at this point. But if you are been following us, we have our own dedicated Speaking of Strong Style audio feed that you can download at any given time by Googling Speaking of Strong Style, Stephen Conway, Jeremy Flagstone, hashtag S-P-O-S-S. Any of those things should guide you to us on an audio feed if you want to uh, follow that, which will be uploaded the day after the live show. So that's that. We have gone four minutes. We need to talk other stuff. 
Is there anything about the Patreon that you want to touch on before we move on, Stephen Conway? No, I think you covered it very, very well. And, you know, again, we're available wherever you can find podcasts if you listen to us as a podcast. So uh, go ahead and do so. We create, encourage you to do so. Like, subscribe, and, of course, uh, rate us, leave us a review. All of that helps people find the show. We're very grateful for the folks that already have done so. Thank you very much. So, uh, eventful week, Jeremy. Should we get right to it? Yeah, what do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Ren Narita, for the love of goodness. This was... <laughs> the man the broke our heart. Women, says Colin, absolutely, you guys. Uh, you know, the thing is, we talked about this, uh, that Narita and Shota were going to be in a prominent spot at Wrestle Kingdom. And weeks and weeks and weeks ago, we said that they should either be in the tag team match with one another, or they should be facing one another. That Those are the two options right here. Uh, they seemed to be headed that way with the best of seven thing, and then they made up. Well, we found out that it was all an elaborate scheme. Uh, so a big turn for Shota Umino, uh, for uh, Ren Narita on Shota Umino. Uh, we began the week teasing the Gates of Agony were joining the uh, House of Torture, but Evil had much bigger plans. They had put in a lot of work, Jeremy, setting up this bromance. They did a 20-minute long... They laid it on thick and high. ...the world video about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just depended on how fast Ghetto wanted to go with this story. We knew this was going to end up in tears eventually. That these two weren't going to be buddies forever. Uh, but uh, they did the angle this week where after losing some matches and falling out of contention for the World Tag League, Ren Narita, in a match against Yujiro Takahashi and Evil, walked away from the corner, refused the hot tag, uh, from Umino, and Umino was left to be beaten uh, by House of Torture, defeated, and then Ren Narita tore off his Narita Umino shooter of strong shirt, style, <laughs> and then put on the House of Torture shirt. As it turns out, he had been waiting to do this all along. He said he shook Umino's hand just to get to this point one day, and he turned on Shota there uh, on the last day of block action. And then uh, in, in a preview tag, the next day, he did not come out with House of Torture, but he ended up nailing Umino with a chair just as Umino was about to get the hot tag in that one. And uh, that led to Tiger Mask's defeat. So it was all an elaborate plot, Jeremy. Ren Narita is not only a heel, he is a member of House of Torture. And you have to think this is going to end, or not end, going to continue with a Wrestle Kingdom match, special singles match, as the Wrestle Kingdom card so. gets filled out. I hope it ends with a special singles match at Wrestle Kingdom. That's a pretty full card, so uh, even if it was, it'd be like a 10-minute match at the bottom of the card. So I'm I'm almost hoping that it's not, and it's uh, maybe at um, you know, February, end of January kind of thing. That would be my hope, honestly, because as excited as I am for this match, I don't want it to be given short shrift at the bottom of the card. There are so many matches on Wrestle Kingdom right now. And there can be some... If it would happen, great. I'm just... I want it to breathe. This is a huge deal in New Japan. Um... We've been following Ren Narita and Shota Umino in their, in their trials and tribulations. Ren Narita was recruited by Desperado and Minoru Suzuki to join Strong Style. And 
when that happened, we're like, okay, we're we're on the path to something here. But it was always something like they went for him. Like people were always looking at this guy, like Renderita's the guy we want to like shape un- under our vision. And so now that we've gone all this way and he's been outside of the influence of Desperado and Suzuki, evil has managed to get his influence on him and, you know, turn him. So this has been a huge development. He's immediately the number two in House of Torture uh, with potential of being the number one one day. Uh, A huge spotlight showcase for him, a huge vote of confidence. And when you're looking back at the World Tag League matches that they had, you know, the signs were all there. He wasn't involved in any of the pins. It was always Shota Umino who was in the pin or took the pin. They had him outside of the ring almost all the time. And I thought it was curious at one point, but I was like, oh, there must be a story to this. Well, there was. He was was playing the long game here. And I'm both, as a fan, completely bummed that he joined House of Torture. But if I'm looking at it analytically on how, you know, the business of New Japan needs to go forward and having a strong, young heel like him, he's in a perfect position. It's an interesting choice, the House of Torture thing, although it doesn't really fit anywhere else. Uh, but if they wanted to do this, this is the way to do it. He has kind of that attitude where you could go into a flat-out cheating thing instead of the... The good news is the Shibata thing is over with. He's no longer a Shibata tribute act, which is going to help him tremendously. He can just be a jerk, which just by the facial... <laughs> I have my Shibata thoughts, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Just by the last couple of days, you know, it just looked like his that whole uh, that whole facial expression, the whole attitude, the, the body language is going to work for him there. House of Torture needed something, for sure. That uh, it's the weakest faction as far as in ring work goes. Kanemaru and Ren Narita joining really bumps that up from mm-hmm. what Yujiro does. Dick Togo is still actually fairly good. Evil can be good, but he chooses not to be, just with the way the working style is and, and all that. So uh, it, it definitely ups the work rate level in House of Torture, makes them more yeah. of a threat. And uh, on that say, on that way, it works. So let's get to some comments over here because there's some things to talk about. First of all, I think it is going to be at Wrestle Kingdom because there are only seven matches announced so far for Wrestle Kingdom. Really? Um, there's only seven? You, yeah, and a show that usually has 12. You know, it's okay. usually a, a monster let's go. show. And then... Uh, Again, we apologize for the audio, guys. Sorry about all that. Uh, Flaming Shark is here. We haven't seen Shark in a while. Glad you're here. Uh, it said, I, I often listen to the show later. Good. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And I'm really excited for Ren and Shooter. Uh, wild that they put Narita in the House of Torture, but weirdly, I think I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, it was, like the signs were all there. They were all there the whole time. And it, it just like, when it happened, it was just like, damn it. Uh, it was like the detective in the usual suspects figuring out all the pieces, putting it together. Like, huh? Oh, damn! I'm too. Well, late. they laid on that bromance pretty thick. So yeah, I, it, we. I thought that it would either happen. I didn't think it would happen here. I thought it might happen if they lost in the semifinals or finals. Sure. That they would blame each other, or Narita would blame it. Sure. Narita was always going to be the heel in this. Umino set up as another Tanahashi. Dunstan Williams is here. Hi, Dunstan. He says this is either going to be like a show situation. Or it could be a Dominic Mysterio situation where it benefits the company. Let's hope it's the latter. But you're absolutely right. This could be a thing with Show where it looked like Show. We forget this. It looked like Show was going to be the breakout star of that tag team. 
And he has absolutely been just a guy in House of Torture ever since. It hasn't worked out for him the way they hoped. And uh, that's the choice. Do you think do you think it was the right choice to do this turn now or after the dome if they won tag league but lost at the dome? Boy, that would have been an interesting angle for them to go all the way to the dome with Bishamon, lose and have Ren turn on him at the dome. Boy, that that might be a missed opportunity, uh, Dunstan. I, I like that a lot. Uh, the only other thing is, I think they're. I think that they're heading toward either War Dogs or TMDK winning that title at the Dome and moving off of Bishamon just because Bishamon is that team you can always put in that situation, whereas you can now use the titles to push someone. Bishamon's always either going to be the champion or one of the top contenders for it. Yeah. Uh, so I think what they wanted to do was put the belts on someone else and launch either War Dogs or TMDK. We'll get to all that in a bit. Uh, but, man, that would have been a nice angle. I agree with you. That would have been pretty great. I think as much as I like that, one of the goals of New Japan in 2024 should be prioritizing the tag team division more so than they have in the last year with all the things that happened with Aussie Open taking off, unfortunately, with the injuries and the rise of the War Dogs and a couple of these other tag teams that have developed. Um if they were to do the match in the turn at Wrestle Kingdom, it would have taken the focus away from the tag team titles and turned it into an angle and a vehicle for them, which doesn't serve two purposes. It only serves one. Doing it this way allows the angle to play out, to simmer, then marinate, and then we have both a value title match for the IWGP tag titles and we have the... Uh, the blood feud between Ren and Shota. So the, I like how they did it, but if you wanted to go all in, you could have done it that way. It's also interesting to note that by zero coincidence whatsoever, El Desperado was on Japanese commentary. Oh, I was so like, oh! <laughs> and so the strong style team is dead now. We know that. But what does Desperado do? What does Suzuki do? I'm leaning toward them becoming flat-out members of Hantai now uh, if they stick with Nagata as an ally, for instance, and um, we'll get to all that. But uh, Suzuki isn't really full-time, though. He kind of comes in and out, so it matters more for Desperado to find a home. But uh, that does mean that uh, Desperado is, once again, a man without a country in that sense. But uh, we will see where this goes. Desperado, of course, has his IWGP junior heavyweight title shot against Hiromu Takahashi, so he's set for the Dome. Now it looks like Narita, Narita and Shota are headed for a big match at the Dome. And, uh, yeah, and we're going to get to this, too, as we go in. Uh, Colin mentions this. What do we think of there being no English commentary this weekend for the finals? Uh, yeah, it's it's been a struggle, this new update, and getting things used to it. From what I heard is that it won't be live, but it'll be added in very quickly later. Chris Charlton said if you live in the States and uh, you sleep in on Sunday, it might already be up by the time you get up. Uh, it has been a little frustrating. I know he said there have been mice in the machinery, as they put it. But, uh, you know, as of all these things, these updates, these uh, reconfigurations, that uh, there are bugs in the system, and, and they're definitely facing some with English commentary. It's been, uh, been frustrating there. And uh, Venkin Bjorn is here. Hey, Venkin, he says, uh, just six guys for Desperado. Always a possibility, right? He could join up with them. But, uh, you know, again, I, it, it seems like he's headed toward hot side anyway. But uh, let's see what Flaming Shark has to say. You almost have to put the belts on Shane and Mikey or Bullet Club. As much as I love the thought of the heel turn on the biggest show of the year, yeah, it boy, it would have been it would have been good. But I do agree with Jeremy. It's something we've talked about here. 
getting the tag team division set. I think they had the idea with Aussie Open to do it with Aussie Open, then they lost them. The good news is they have guys like TMDK, which is a, a real team instead of just two singles guys put together as a team. Uh, War Dogs seem to be headed that way, although, you know, we'll see because Gabe Kidd's getting a lot of singles opportunities. But uh, reconfiguring that tag division seems to be a priority coming up, and I'm there for it. Yeah, I got nothing to add. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Ren Narita and Shota Amina. We'll have to see how this plays out over the weekend. Now, we don't have anything for this weekend's card as of the time we went on the air for the other matches besides the semifinals and the finals we know some of the people that will be appearing but i would imagine that shoda and ren will continue to clash over this weekend as they head toward the dome this so, entire tournament has been a vehicle both to build the ren and shoda feud and to create contenders for um tokyo dome and i'm not sure we're getting just one like a, a two by two, like a team versus team match. We might be getting more than one. There's a, there's a possibility. Maybe. I, I, yeah, maybe. I, I still think it's going to be a coronation match for whoever wins this tournament, mm-hmm. but we'll see how it goes. Do we want to talk about Okada? Let's talk about Okada. So, in the overblown story of the week, uh, Kazuchi Okada was mentioned that WWE is interested in him. Well, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You don't say that they're interested. The best wrestler in the world is coming up for free agency like he does every single year, folks. Uh, And WWE is interested in him. I'm shocked, shocked to hear that they might want the best wrestler on the face of the earth. I'm not worried about this. And the reason I'm not worried about this is, yes, WWE can throw a lot of money at the guy. They can throw as much money as they want to him. The key is... No top guy has left before. This would be a monumental thing if he decided to go. His He has a two-year-old. He has a two-year-old. That's not easy to uproot. His wife is a working actress in Japan, and she has a good career going too. Give up all that, move to Orlando? Maybe, but it would take a pile of money. And he has to know that he's not going to be the top guy in WWE. He might be among them. And I know that they that according to certain people, and Dave Meltzer's mentioned this, that this Nakamura push is to, for Triple H to show Kazushi Okada, hey, look, join us. The water's warm over here. It's not like before where they're going to turn you into a clown like Tazawa, that type of thing. Uh, you know, we don't have a problem with foreigners anymore. Vince is out to pasture, that type of stuff. I, It's an awfully big jump for the top guy to uproot a two-year-old, a wife of the career, and go to Orlando, and it's not like he's making bad money in Japan. New Japan is paying the guy. It's also not unusual for these guys' contracts to be up. The native Japanese guys uh, don't usually work on multi-year deals over there, so it's not strange. So that's just my thought on it, Jeremy. I don't see him leaving because I don't think he'd be leaving for a better spot. He already makes good money. His wife makes good money. It would take an awful big paycheck. And I don't see WWE going that far with it. Uh, your thoughts on that? I think you're mostly right. There have been conversations on our Discord, and I'm not going to name names on what who said what, but people in the know have basically said that New Japan doesn't have a whole lot of money right now. And so your eyebrows can be raised at the possibility that there is a money offer that Okada 
uh, New Japan Bushi Road would not be able to match, and he, you know, has to consider that that opportunity. With that said, there's a lot of mitigating factors. Okay, thank you, but no, thank you. Uh, I don't know. I when I heard the news, I was at about five percent, ten percent. Like, uh oh, this could be something. I felt like it was overblown, but there have been a couple of like factors in the air that have made me definitely want to sit there and say, I'm going to take this a little more seriously than uh, casually dismissing it, but I'm not in a break glass in case of emergency mode. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at some of the comments because we've got some really good ones. We've got some really smart listeners, of course. Let's listen to hear what they have to say. And, uh, oh, yeah, Venka mentions uh, Okada hates uh, Kato, PME, a lot. Yeah, he does. They're, that story is not over. Uh, says, does it seem like the company need a restructure behind the scenes? I, I, I'm not convinced of that totally. I, hey, look, the yen is down. It's it, New Japan has less money not because business is bad. We're going to talk a little bit about the business. Not necessarily because of that. It's I, I think it's about to go up because they're going to have a better champion fairly soon, I think. But it's more of the yen being in the tank and there's not a whole lot new Japan can do uh, with that. But uh flaming shark says pro wrestling company wants legendary pro wrestler in his thirties. What a shocker. Yeah. Nakamura was close, but not quite the guy when he left. No, Okada, you're right. Okada was already the guy when Nakamura left Nakamura. One of the reasons Nakamura left is because the idea of going out and surfing uh, appealed to him. He likes doing that. You can do that in the United States. He also wanted us, you know, an easier schedule. He's never said that out loud, but the rigors of the New Japan schedule and that working style were a lot. I mean, the idea of going through that G1 and things, you know, it's a lot easier on your body mm-hmm. working WWE for a bunch of reasons. And uh, which is not to be discounted with Okada either as he gets closer to 40. But he's been relatively healthy in his career. And that's that's one thing there. So, and Colin's saying, been trying to explain this all to folks regarding him going, yeah, it's, it's not happening. I'm, I'm leaning toward your way, Colin. I think it would take a, a Brinks truck full of money, and they don't like to break the pay scale for anyone individually. But I will, uh, I will she, say, Nakamura was ready to go. Nakamura was ready to go. I will say, the moment this news hit, there were a number of accounts that are familiar to the uh, Japanese wrestling fan community that were all of a sudden ready to just spill tea about how. Bushi Road is in bad shape and the wrestlers are upset and you don't know how bad it is for them. And but and I'm like, okay, that stuff will come out. That kind of business isn't really that bad. Uh, stuff like Ibushi, like it ended up coming out. So if it's really as bad as they're saying that the whispers are on Twitter and uh, elsewhere among the people in the know, which Frankly, I'm not in the know when it comes to this kind of thing, and neither is Steven. But you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of clouds around, and I don't know if they have rainstorms in them or not. But you know, people are gathering and they want to say that it's all doom and gloom. And I'm not necessarily sure we're at doom and gloom time. The other part of that is it's fine for people to be upset with New Japan and be in New Japan, be a Japanese wrestler in New Japan that doesn't like it. It's another thing to move for multiple years to the United States, that's a big step. And not you saying- You could be a Kushida, you could be a Nakamura, or you could be something completely different. 
Well, you might just not want to leave Japan. You live there your whole life. You're a Japanese yeah. native citizen. You know, not everybody wants to come here. And I, yes, the money would be fantastic. No, it's, and that's a factor. I'm not trying to discount that. But some people would just say, I don't want to move to the U.S. I, you know, I get my whole my family's here. I don't want to just go across the entire world. But there are a lot of factors on this. And Sam Shipman is here from uh, the Power Bombshell. Sam is, uh, oh, she says, I'm missing my own show this weekend. Don't forget, 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern on Sundays. Uh, but uh, it'll be uh, Mel and I believe Keela Cash from the rap. Uh, yeah. hosting this week. I, uh, I, I suddenly had the vision of the world burning when we talk about Okada versus CM Punk at SummerSlam in 2025. <laughs> That's a weird world. Uh, but she says, I'll give you my thoughts here. I can see AEW being his choice if he leaves because he can live in Japan still. Pac lives in the UK, so does Osprey. Yep. And that's always a factor. And then that's uh, something that he could do. And it would open the door for him to stay be to stay with um, in New Japan, big shows and things. And uh, Shark says, Triple H would treat Okada great, but it's unlikely he'd go. The odds are very, very unlikely he would jump Well, here's, a, here's a thing for you. Here's a hypothetical does the next generation get to be on top if Okada's still there? Well, I mean, no, but it's they're not ready to be on top, on top. I, I understand that. that, but in three years or so, when, yeah. like, Okada is still here and we're talking about the next generation, is that something to keep in mind? Like, is he, is he still... I don't... I'm just wondering if in three years, we're talking about Shota, Ren, Yoda, maybe Yuya challenging for the IWGP title, and there's just no room at the top because the people are. I just, it was just a thing that I wanted to put out there. Yeah, no, I, what, I mean, what's Okada going to do? Refuse to job to him if Ghetto tells him to? I don't think that's But if happen. he went to the States, he wouldn't be in that position. It'd be a, a potential fresh, like, and that could be a consideration oh, for him. But if he goes to the States, that could actually hurt the next generation because if they don't beat him in the big Absolutely. matches, you know, that, that's the thing. And remember, his contract comes up every year. They yeah. only sign one-year deals for the native Japanese guys there. So this could all happen. You know, There's plenty of time for all this. And the thing is, like, they need to beat Okada in order to become the man on that thing. It would actually hurt the company if Okada just left. It absolutely so, would. You know, that I think it could actually hurt those guys. So. And then Megan just says, I, I I want to imagine Okada with all those rookies in NXT. <laughs> actually, oh, Okada versus Ilya Dragunov would actually be pretty amazing. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I'm I'm there for that. I'm there for him against Carmelo Hayes. Here's what I'm not there for. Him against Brooks Jensen. No thanks. You I'm don't good. think Baron Corbin and Okada would be amazing? Baron Corbin's better than people give him credit for. But he, he's not great, but he's better than people give him credit for. Uh, and he's done so. The Omni opposite because the end of Japan is down, and this is something out of Bushy Road Control unless they release a ton of people. Not sure we're there yet. I don't think the company's broke. It's, you know, that, that, let's see how we're doing on that. Um, but let's see. And uh, Colin says, look, it started on the poop at the fan there regarding Bushy Road. And one of their guys quit and was sacked. Yes, uh, which should be an encouraging sign. They sacked the guy that they that nobody liked. And uh, they, they kept There was a lot going on behind the scenes of that one. Yeah, there is. but uh, And I think it's encouraging for stardom. And then something tells me there are more of these uh, live in your own country, work for AEW contracts. Like Riho has that, Kota Ibushi too, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're not spending your own money, it's great. <laughs> and they kind of are. They have their own TV contracts and all that kind of stuff, I know. But, uh, you know, they can – there's so many people in AEW too. I mean, it's a – that. Yeah, I don't know. Okada and AEW would be a way for him to 
stay with New Japan on big shows and that kind of thing, which could be appealing. But there are there are a lot of people that do not want that consolation prize, even if it were offered mm-hmm. to them. They want they want Will in New Japan. They want Okada in New Japan. They want that to be their home territory. And it's just like there's a reality to this, but some of them are not going to be there forever. I think Okada will likely be there almost forever. Yeah, it, it's just he's the top guy. He's in. The, he's the top guy. Even when he's not the champion, he's the top guy. It, like I said, his his wife has that career going that would go away if he if he left Japan. He doesn't want to be away from his family. I don't think like his kid. You know, he's got a two year old. It's a lot. Never and, say never. In no, fair enough. Right, and <laughs> there are there are perfect storm situations right now that I'm just. It would be it would be foolhardy to just say not gonna happen, even though I'm really want to say. I don't and Sam mentions someone replied to a tweet about Okada's wife being more famous than him and said, "Wife, we have to move to Orlando so I can wrestle Omos." Yeah, I mean that's not the conversation. That's not how that's going to go, is it? But uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'll I'll worry about it if it ever happens. But I'm not uh, I'm not sweating it at this. Yeah, uh, the red the red panic button will be pressed at the end of January. <laughs> I'm really not that worried about it. I, I really think it's more like. This is what to me. This reads more like the Julia situation, where they said WWE is interested in Julia. Well, no shit. I mean, if you're not, if you're the top company, and a number one guy comes up, if you're not at least discussing that guy, what the hell are you doing? Of course, if you're if you're a huge star and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm gonna explore my options, so maybe I go back to my home base and say, hey, give me a little bit more money. Like, I mean. Okada is producing TV shows in Japan too. He produced yeah. the one that got us the Shomakado, uh, uh, the uh, Shomakado, the uh, the guy, the new young lion. He's a TV producer. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. I'm really not sweating this all that much. And besides, the whole idea of like, of course, WWE is interested. WWE was built on taking other people's top guys. WWE hasn't made a whole lot of people in their entire company history. The, the entire thing has been about taking top guys from other companies. And I'll go all the way back. Hulk Hogan, Junkyard Dog. All these guys were <laughs> other people's guys. Steve Austin was already over in WCW. Not to that level, but no one's ever been to that level, right? The Rock was homegrown. That was like the first guy that was ever, like the first guy, Bruno Sammartino. There you go. Bruno Sammartino. Would you say Roman of homegrown? I guess Backlund and all that kind of, but Backlund was already wrestling in Florida. The point I'm trying to make is WWE has always been built on taking guys who are already over somewhere else and bringing them in, and sometimes making them a lot more over. The Rock they have and definitely Reigns. made a lot of money off of co-opting talent that has been uh, getting their star power elsewhere. I 1,000 percent agree with you. But Rock, Roman Reigns, and John Cena are kind of outliers in that. You know, they, but yeah. but they had to make their own guys. They're like once in a generation guys, and I don't want to say generation, but era, once in an era guys. Like each one of them were kind of like their eras diamond propped up by the people that were built from other companies and uh, built around them. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. The flaming shark nails it here. He says you have to accept that the top foreign talent will likely leave New Japan because the money is better over there, and and it is, and and it's not. You're already flying across the world. It's, there's less of that. Even if you're British, going over to the United States isn't so bad. But you can also say there's a pretty solid chance most of the top Japanese talent stick around. Yeah, once the Ibushi, the Nakamura's, the Kushida's, there are people that want to go and do things elsewhere and go to the mm-hmm. States. 
and try things out. But none of them, you know, like Okada was on the way up with Nakamura, like up already there. You know, there was like. Oh, he was a top guy when Nakamura. Right, right. It's just like Nakamura wasn't in that position of being a top guy when he left. Um, I mean, he was, but he wasn't the top guy. There is the one every so often, the one person that will do that. I don't think this is the guy. I don't think this is the guy. No. All right. right. Should we go on to World Tag League? World Tag League, 33 minutes in. Heck yeah. It's been a busy week. World Tag League 2023. Block play is over with. We're down to the semifinals. So from block A, the War Dogs defeated TMDK on the last night. We're going to go over this in a little more detail. But they defeated TMDK and won Block A. TMDK moves on to the semifinals by virtue of finishing second. In Block B, the winners were Hikaleo and ELP and uh, Bishamon, second place in uh, the block. So last week we said that the results of these tournaments and uh, who had points and who didn't were going to turn around in a big way. And boy, they did. Uh, both Hikaleo and ELP and Bishamon were in a lot of trouble, the two champions. Strong tag team champions and the IWGP tag team champions, both of them rallied down the stretch to get through. And on the other side, TMDK were kind of pipped at the line, so to speak, by a surging War Dogs group as uh, as that took place. But to TMDK didn't lose very much; they just lost just enough that they're in uh, in second there, and uh, perhaps a rematch coming between the two for the big prize. But uh, yeah, uh, just your thoughts on the last week in general, before we get into detail, much stronger last week than the first two, I thought. I could not, I could not totally get into this tournament as much as I wanted to. I felt like it was a B-plus tournament uh, when I was really hoping for just more blow-away matches. There were a few matches that I'm just going to say were... Absolutely tremendous to the point that I texted people that I whose opinion I valued. Hey, you need to make sure that you go watch a couple of these matches. And they were matches that were not going to happen ever again, uh, frankly, because of the circumstances of the tournament. But there was definitely like the highs were high, but the lows felt low. And I felt like there were enough lows where I can't look at somebody and say, this was a great tournament and you need to make sure that you go back and revisit. I enjoyed the last week quite a bit. I thought there was right. a lot of fun. I thought there was a lot of good wrestling on it, and I thought a lot of matches were good. So I, I think, I think maybe the New Japan World rollout might have bothered me a little bit with it. I had issues with it and trying to watch some of the shows and some of the commentary. I, I was a little bit frustrated with some of these big angles that there wasn't uh, a commentary that uh, we could all share a dialogue with. And, and, and get the real like translation of what's going on. Although I will say you need to follow Chris Charlton, Reason JP, on Twitter or X for a lot of context for these things. He has been invaluable in the mm-hmm. off time with a lot of these angles that are playing out. Um, yeah, that was that's pretty much what I had to say about that. Yeah, hopefully they do get it figured out because uh, they say they're going to get same day commentary in English for the finals and. Then hopefully they can work things out. It's it's it has been frustrating. I don't I, I I like having English commentary on it for sure. So we'll go through the journeys here of the different teams. Let's start with the War Dogs. They won block A. So they entered the week on only four points. They hadn't gotten off to a good start. They were two and two, but they did beat 
Uh, Okan and Hanare and Wakayama in a pretty good match. There were a lot of signals to Osprey about that since Gabe Kidd is facing him on the 16th. Now, he even hit an os cutter in that match. There were a lot of Osprey nods there. Then they moved on to Hyogo and they defeated House of Torture in a good version of a House of Torture match. And the uh, crowd did pop when the dogs hit the hijack pile driver on Yujiro and Kid hit a huge dive. Off of Look at that! <laughs> that was a long way down. And he that was a baby babe jump if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Good grief! Uh, yeah, so it, it's a uh, it's crazy on that one. That was a that was a crazy spot. And uh, Team TMDK, uh, that was the final one, the big showdown there. And they beat TMDK and Saga in another very good match. The dogs actually beat up Fujita in the back before and brought him in the back. They, you know, they, they had him out there like he had already been beaten down and uh, and brought him out with them. <laughs> so uh, they brawled in the crowd a lot. TMDK hit that pop-up powerbomb into a superplex thing. Very cool. But the dogs hit the hijack powerbomb again to win and uh, go over in the A block. So that was it. So Kid and Coglin. Getting that push down the stretch, and uh, yeah, in the and Flaming Shark mentions it here. Uh, we got the two sets of tag champs and the two teams that seem to be the focus uh, being of uh, being evaluated. You know, of being elevated. Excuse me, uh, elevated. So the final four makes perfect sense. I like it too. I think they did a heck of a job. Uh, Ghetto did in the end, and so for TMDK, which finished second, uh, they beat Kiyomiya and Oiwa and Wakiyama. And that one had some subtext to it because TMDK had been in NOAA before they were hooking up with New Japan a lot. They had done tours for NOAA in the past, so they've run into Kiyomiya before. Uh, they beat uh, Umino and Narita and Hyogo. So uh, they got Umino with the tank buster. And uh, that was the big thing afterwards where uh, Umino was in the, the backstage area, unable to do backstage comments. But Narita was there just saying, I believe in you, Shota. Oh, uh, and, and then we mentioned that loss. So obvious, and I'm <laughs> Well, like I said, we always knew it was going to end in tears. It was just a matter of how quickly. And yes. it could happen faster than I thought. But yes. uh, yeah, there was the thing with uh, the War Dogs we mentioned already. So, your thoughts, Jeremy, on TMDK and the War Dogs being our semifinals? I think there's a layout here that once we go fully into the whole post bracket we can do it right now but basically i see the war dog beating bishamon next at the next time and then i see uh mikey nichols and jane haste winning the whole world tag league so alex coughlin and gabe kid demand that they get a title shot yeah based off of that as well and they make it a three-way Wrestle Kingdom with TMDK, the War Dogs, and Bishamon. I kind of think that's where it's going. That can be very possible. That's another thing. Yeah, that, that, that's always possible. Uh, yeah, that uh, could go that direction. So we have uh, Hanare and Okan. Now, these are the teams that didn't quite make it in there. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on the teams that didn't make it, just to mention a few things that are uh, worth discussing. Uh, they lost to the War Dogs. They beat the Gates of Agony. Uh, which built to a cool thing where uh, Leona and Hanare sort of did the haka dance there, uh, war dance there to one another, which is very cool. They had good chemistry, by the way. Uh, eliminator to Bishop Khan for the win there. To me, and then they, they got a win over Ishii and Yano in Saga, and that eliminated Ishii and Yano from contention uh, before we got to those last matches. Ishii, always the bride, made never the bride. Indeed. And uh, uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, Tomohiro Ishii, by the way, worth mentioning that he went in this year. Uh, and that was a, a big moment uh, 
for uh, U.S. fans of Ishii, who've been pushing for that for a while. And uh, yeah, to me though, uh, Jeremy, it seems to me that Hanare is becoming a little bit more of a star each time. I, I like his trajectory. I would agree with you. Uh, I I'm feeling the disconnect, and I feel like he is one of those people that did not quite get the face time that he needed because this was a really important tournament for him to be out front and center and for not having that English commentary and for people to like learn more about him as they're watching it and they just see this guy with the facial tattoos and they may not necessarily have jumped on board with the G1 when this all happened and he changed it. Uh, a lot of this context of who he was was missed and I hope that they find an opportunity in the future to capitalize on a strong showing that he had. I hope they do too. I think he's a really talented guy. And I, I got to see him a little bit interacting with fans in Las Vegas when he was out there. He was out mm-hmm. in the merch stand. He's just really gregarious, outgoing, a pleasant guy to talk to and all. I know he plays that Almost character. like he's in politics. He, yeah, I know. He, he, he looks like a fun hang is really my impression of Hanari right there. So after seeing that, I kind of want the guy to succeed. And he's a good wrestler. He's, he's good at everything. Speaking of people who are good wrestlers, Ishii and Yano, they finished out of the out of the running, as it turns out, on that last day. Man, was Ishii good in this tournament. He's so he's so great. It just so this great. might have been the match of the tournament right here. Oh, uh, Ishii, Yano versus Shota and Ren. Yeah, it really was. And Umino hit the blaze blade but couldn't quite cover. The crowd was big into this. Ishii ended up hitting his brain buster. Go out of your way to see that match there from Osaka. What, uh, was that in the sun? No, it wasn't the That was on Friday. I yes. Okay. Pardon me. That was uh, before that. But uh, man, what a great match. Just uh, just excellent stuff. And uh, definitely worth going out of your way for that one. Then they beat Kiyomiya and Oiwa. That was another good one right there. Uh, he worked very well with both guys, particularly uh, Kiyomiya. A lot less clowning, not none, but less clowning from Yano in this. He tended to do most of his silliness during the preview tags, not in the actual tournament. And if then he they won't uh, allow it. He'll 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 kill him himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's been terrific. So that was uh, that was really good. And uh, let's see. Okay, uh, Flaming Shark has some thoughts here. Let's go to him. It feels like the War Dogs knock out Bishamon and then fall to Team DK in the final. So yeah, probably a three way where we get the War Dogs challenging immediately after, either in San Jose or sometime in Japan. Yep. That's exactly the way I read it, too. I think we're all in agreement on that, aren't we? That it just feels like that we're running a beat down on everybody at the end of the World Tag League at the at the coronation, and then everyone's like, "Fine, let's all do it together." Like they're just like, "Fine, we'll do it at Wrestle Kingdom," and you know they they antagonize their way into the match. Very possible, or, or just flat out attack them, everybody to the point that everyone's so pissed at, yes. and they say, "Put up in the ring, antagonize so their way up. into the match." <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, just blast away in exactly. Uh, Dunson said there have been strong tag matches this year compared to the past years. I agree. I actually down the stretch, I thought there were a lot of really, really good matches in this tournament. And uh, Oiwa and Kato could go far, but in a couple of years, according to Dunstan, yeah, it's not time for Oiwa yet. He's on his excursion, just like Fujita. Even though they aren't young lions technically anymore, when you're on excursion and you come back, you're not going to get a ton of wins. It's just not. That's just not the way New Japan uh, raises their puppies, in that sense. Uh, and I have some thoughts on that too as we go along with this. But so Evil and Yujiro, even though they didn't have the results, they had an extraordinarily busy week. They teased the Gates of Agony thing, but that was just the Gates of Agony playing along so that they could uh, beat on. Uh, we were right. It was just going to be like not even going to make it to the match. 
Yeah. But we did not see the rest of it coming. <laughs> That's right. And then they lost to the War Dogs in a pretty good match. Like that, that War Dogs match with Evil and Yujiro, that was a good version of that House of Torture match. A lot of interference and weapons. But when you have two guys as opponents, like Kid and Coughlin, who are every bit as ruthless in their character, uh, that one turned out to be everything actuated that both do. But you had Coughlin and Kid as baby faces, but they were more like run rough shot over everyone kind of baby faces. Everyone's like, everyone hates the evil and Yudro, so go get them, guys. And the audience bought into it. It was just a fun, sloppy match. Yes, it was. And, uh, of course, the big angle in Saga with Umino and Narita. And uh, Umino uh, ended up charging them in the aisle. He was playing Ricky Morton the whole time. He charged the House of Torture and the aisle got beaten down. Thrown back in the ring, he played Ricky Morton until the tag that never was. And there okay, so... Did you find out about this by watching the match? Yes. I did not. Ah, you heard about it. To me. And it was one of those moments where it was just like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Just on a variety of levels. Like, damn it, Ray. And then I was like, I wish I didn't find out this way. But I did. And then I finally watched it. it. I thought it played out fantastically it was great all the signs were there and you know there was a point in the beginning where evil kind of punched ren and he turned and you thought he had something in his eye but he very clearly winked at ren right mm-hmm. when right before they went to the ring and i was like and because i'd known everything that happened like oh he just winked at ren got it and it was just watching it play out was just like okay i hate it but i love it yeah, Flaming Shark mentions this too, and this has always been my point that I, I think they've been going toward a, a one tag team match and a coronation at Wrestle Kingdom. This is another reason to think so, rather than a three way. He said if the War Dogs ruin the end of WTL and make it a three way for the Dome, it would mirror Finlay ruining Mox and Osprey's party at the end of Power Struggle and getting his match for Wrestle Kingdom. They could, because they are in the same faction, the War Dogs, uh, mirror it. They will do exactly what Finlay did, and it's their move could also go the other way where New Japan just doesn't want to do the same angle twice. If you were going to do the same angle twice, you could do it because they're in the same faction. So you you could do it, but I'm leaning toward there being the big coronation and then the war dogs coming out and attacking afterwards or just challenging afterwards, something like that. This is is, is long game chess, right? But if you did a three-way for the tag titles, I would immediately believe that Finlay is not winning the title, uh, or winning the match uh, against Moxley or Osprey. That would be an immediate just, nope, he's not winning it. Because either TMDK or War Dogs do win it, and then you're like, oh, Finley's definitely not going to win it. Or War Dogs don't win it, and then you're all, all of a sudden compelled to believe that Finley is winning it, and then he's not going to because the psychology of Moxley and Osprey, like there are people that, are going to be protected going forward. And I'm not necessarily sure Finley is, can, doesn't have to lose right now. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to win that match. I'm not sure yeah, Finley's going to win that match at all. Uh, moving along here to Block B. Now, we had two similar stories in this one, just done a little bit differently. But when we left off last week, both Bishamon and Hikaleo and El Fantasma were in bad shape. They weren't, they, they were in it, but they needed to pull off winning streaks. Both of them did. So this is how we the champions ended up going from uh, in danger to the semifinals. So Hikaleo and ELP, they defeated 
uh, Jack Bonza and Bad Luck Fale in Osaka. That was a similar pattern to all the Bonza Fale matches where Bonza works the whole thing. You knock Fale out of the ring, pin Bonza. They beat Atlantis and Soberano, the two juniors, uh, in uh, Kochi. Pretty good match. Uh, choke slam splash combo there, continued their run. And then they finished it the four in a row rally by uh, eliminating Zane and Archer and Miyazaki. And this was a very good match, really good tag match. Chokeslam splash combo on Zane, handshakes afterwards, just really strong stuff. They, the champion. That suplex that Hikuleo gave uh, Archer at the end of the match. That was, uh, that, was, that was something. You got, you got some, you got some notes from that match. Sorry for interrupting you. That's okay. No, I, I didn't really. I just was saying that it was the whole story was, you know, the champion, champions needed to rally, and they stepped up and got it. So that was, uh, that was enjoyable to watch. And then Bishamon had a very similar thing where they had to uh, go on that roll. They defeated Suji and Zandakan in Osaka. Uh, they hit the Shoto on Zandakan to win that one. In Kochi, they got uh, Suzuki and Nagata. Interesting, they didn't do the Shoto to either of them. Uh, Goto rolled up Nagata to win as I lose my head. And then last night, they had to win to get in <coughs> because they had that draw. So they had to win to get in. Mm -hmm. They faced Taichi and Uemura. This was another excellent match. Goto against Taichi was terrific. Ume, yeah, Yumeura and Yoshihashi were fabulous together. That was some really good stuff. Yoshi had to fight off the deadbolt suplex at about the 20-minute mark, and he did it. The crowd loved it. Bishamon ended up rallying and hitting the Shoto on Uemura to get the victory. And then again, handshakes afterwards. A lot of sportsmanship in this. So the B block was as feel good as the A block finals were feel bad. You know, the, the A block. No, that's absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Was more of we had Ren turning on Umino. We had the War Dogs cheating and winning, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that was the Empire Strikes Back type of day. Whereas it was all feel good in B block, uh, baby faces uh, really coming together and, and uh, you know, showing up when needed on that one. So Bishamon and ELP and Hikaleo in the center. So they have really escalated the Yuya Uemura to get them caught up with the rest of the Rewa because they basically used this entire tournament to do the whole close but not quite kind of scenario with him, uh, eventually getting to this potential. Uh, showdown with the tag team uh, tag team champions. And at the very end, when he was just left lying and uh, Yoshihashi lifted his arm and like championship, and then he got angry. And then he was like, no, I lifted your arm. You were the champion. I will have my day one day. Like, don't you, don't you make me do that to you? Like, don't you, don't you pander to me? I like it. I don't know the viability of the just five guys stable, but I think, uh, Taichi and Yuya Orimura will continue to shine in New Japan moving forward. Got some thoughts on this. If we get preview tags, again, cards not announced yet as of time we went on the air. If Sonata and Naito are on opposite, we saw Naito this week. I don't know if he's going to get back in the ring because he just had the eye surgery at the end of November right there. But you mean Naito, not Sonata? Naito, yeah, that's what yeah. I said. We saw Naito this week. Okay. And if he, I don't know if those two are going to be doing preview tags this weekend. I don't know if Naito's ready to get back in the ring. But if it is just five guys facing uh, the LIJ in some form, watch out for Umayura and Suji. I think they could do an angle that gets them in the ring in some form at Wrestle Kingdom. They seem to be headed that direction with some of the backstage comments. 
again, I don't know. And if they end up in preview tags against completely other people, then I guess they're not going that way. But there was some they're they're looking at them crossways at each other. And we mentioned before these two have such a history that really makes more sense than the Ray with three musketeers. But of course, uh, they, you know, there's there's always been a dark horse in the Ray with three musketeers, and it's going to be Ren Narita. So you can still have Suji and and uh, Umino as the baby faces there. But Uemura, and I'm going to struggle to pronounce that man's name forever. <laughs> Uemura and Suji seem to be on some kind of collision course. Doesn't necessarily have to happen at the dome, but if they end up on opposite sides of preview tags this weekend, watch out for them. I'm very curious about who's not on the card right now and how they get on the card, if at all, when we're yeah. talking about some of these new guys. So uh, do you want to go to Taichi and Yugo Uemura next? Yeah, I do. Uh, and then, you know, they will, we'll get to some of these things, uh, the, some of the comments later. Taichi is a guy that I think is very curious when it comes to all that kind of stuff. Yes. And, I, and you know, that's the thing is he's he's the KOPW provisional champion. So you could put him in as the last guy in the Rambo type of thing, because uh, the Rambo is supposed to establish that title. You could always do that with him. Uh, but I, I would like to see him in something else just because I like Taichi. But they defeated Atlantis and Soberano in Osaka and Koche. They, they, here's what cost them. They booked him to lose to Fale and Bonza. They got upset. They they tripped over the they tripped over a hurdle there. So uh, that hurt their chances badly. Bad luck Fale got the bad luck fall on uh, Uemura, and then they lost to Bishamon on the final day to miss out on the playoffs. So uh, Taichi though uh, stuck with Uemura was very gracious. Again, we had sportsmanship even. So definitely babyface Taichi. He's mm-hmm. the KOPW Provisional Champion. He has mentioned that he wants to defend that title one more time, which could happen on, uh, could happen, I think, on the, what, there's a couple of road to Tokyo Dome shows at Korokan late in the month, could happen there. And then uh, if, if he doesn't go into uh, Wrestle Kingdom as the KOPW Champion, all options are open. If not, I think he ends up in as the last guy in that Rambo, right? Isn't that the way it kind of works? It could be that, but it could also be something a little bit more dire. There's only one other guy that I've been looking through this whole list that I can think of that doesn't really have a match for Wrestle Kingdom that maybe should have a match. And do you know what guy I'm thinking of? Who's that? Evil. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. After the show match with uh, you know, the King of Pro Wrestling on the 17th, where that went through. And if Ren and all these other guys, there are a few people left on that roster that should have a title match. Uh, she still doesn't have anything on the card as well. So there are a few guys that, you know, Ishii versus Taichi for the King of Pro Wrestling is far more enticing to me than Evil. But if Ren is going to be on the card in some way, shape, or form, I almost think that Evil is going to be somewhere in there as well. Keep in mind, they have put Ishii in Rambo before. Like, they have oh, yeah. they have absolutely left him off of a big match. But there's also, like, the entirety of United Empire besides yeah. Catch-2-2 that's not really yeah. on the card as well. So Rambo sounds right, but of, like, people that they put in the G1 kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, there are a few that are lacking uh, prominence going forward. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll take a look. And uh, just because uh, we got some comments here I'm going to get to, it said uh, Dunstan saying the card currently is eight matches at the end of Tag League. Ren versus Shota would make it nine. So there you go. Still got some uh, some more to go. They usually have about a dozen matches on Wrestle Kingdom. Dunstan says, uh, if the match uh, the match doesn't need it for Naito and Sienata, do you think the match could be cut down to 20 minutes? 
Maybe. I, I don't know if I would have Naito work in a half hour match against Sonata. I, I could see the thing. I could see it going 25. I get 20, 25. Maybe. Uh, they could just because they say, well, it's the Tokyo Dome main event. You got to go a half hour. Uh, but not all of them have. 25 minutes would feel about right to me. And then he also mentions, can we just cut the Rambo and add time to the undercard? Nope. It's a way to get everybody on the show. And also, it's a way to establish the KOPW thing. So that's how that's going to go right there. And then uh, Shark says nine is a great number for the main card with Rambo on the pre-show. Yep, that's when they usually do it. Last year, he had nine-match main card, the Anoki tribute match, the Rambo, thinking ten matches, and the Rambo at Wrestle Kingdom. Could end up being that one. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So that was uh, the thoughts there on those guys. Let's see, who's the next team we want to talk about here? Uh, oh, Zane and Archer. Right. So they won their first four and were leading everything when last we talked. But then they lost their last three. Now, we suspected that these guys weren't going to uh, continue that run. Uh, but Nagata and Suzuki beat them in Osaka with Nagata hitting the backdrop suplex on Zane to win. That was their first loss, Suzuki and Nagata's first win. Suzuki had saved Nagata from the blackout bomb. That's where Archer, we talked about a lot last week, Archer gives the blackout to Zane, but doesn't hurt him because he's his partner. And he lands on his opponent right there. But he, Suzuki saved him from that, and then he hit the backdrop suplex to win. And then they lost to Suji and Zondikon and Kochi. Uh, Suji hit the gene blast while Zane was running the ropes. And uh, we'll get to that. And I, I just really love that they have that home run thing for uh, for Suji, that at, at any time when you're doing big moves, if someone goes into the ropes, he might hit the gene blast. Just mm -hmm. I love that there's that sudden possibility of an ending it's like we talked about with jay White. like an rko out of nowhere just gonna get an you. rko out of nowhere which is all where all rkos come from according to uh michael cole he's when he signals for them <laughs> but uh the uh but the other side of that is just that that home run thing i'm just talking about you know the match could end any second that sort of tension jay white had the thing where he could reverse almost any move into the switchblade you know and you just you could never feel comfortable i kind of like that uh then they lost the elp and hikaleo and Miyazaki. atlantis and soberano you know, Silverano is a Rudo now in Mexico, but he wrestled babyface the whole time. Did not turn on Atlantis, probably almost certainly because they were doing the Umino Narita thing. Uh, so there were just some moments there in some backstage comments where Zandakan was just like, I'm not here to make friends, you know, and like, whatever, we lost. I'm not happy about that. I'm not that fond of you, uh, Atlantis, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but they wrestled together as a team the whole way. And uh, they lost a couple to Taichi and Uemura and then ELP and Hikaleo. Zandokan and Sujibo, Jeremy, made the cardinal mistake. In the preview tag, they pulled their masks off after the match. And you don't piss off a luchador like that, do you? And so it ended up... And they tried it again in this match and didn't get nearly as close. They no. uh, they insulated those masks a little bit from the, from the Terra aspect. <laughs> yeah. And then Zandokan and uh, Suji lost to them on the last night there. So... Uh, like I said, you don't you don't mess with the Luchador's mask. By God, you just don't do it. You don't tug on Superman's cape, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Suji and Zanakan lost three of their last four down the stretch. Uh, Bishamon was a, a loss there, but uh, uh, they defeated Zane and Archer and Kochi as part of Zane and Archer's collapse, but lost to Team CMLL on the final day, like we just mentioned. Zanakan, by the way, uh, has they've been teasing the idea of Zanakan being a full fledged member of LIJ, and they've been bringing out. The other members, Shingo Takagi, uh, Naito, you know, not wrestling, not getting involved physically. Again, just had the eye surgery not too long ago, but he's been out there. And there have been signs that maybe this weekend we get a full membership in the LIJ for Zandokan. 
they seem to like him. They seem to be taken to him. And Suji certainly wants him to be a full member, but uh, they're they're teasing it along. Like Naito just patted him on the back. I playing it cool. <laughs> yeah, playing it cool. But I have a feeling we might see him as part of the whole roll call eventually. Uh, and But it feels like that, doesn't it, that he's going to be rewarded for his efforts at the end of the story? I don't feel like it's a sure thing. I think Naito could still be a little bit of a impish heel if he wants to be. So we, we shall see. I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent on Xander Ken joining LIJ, but if it does, it'd be a fun feel good story for December. In my cold, cold bones, Conway. <laughs> it would be kind of a heelish thing to do is to drag him along like that and then tell him no and kick him to the curb, which Naito is not a heel right now. So I, I, I don't quite see that. I'm not a hundred percent like buying into Xander to LIJ, so if it doesn't happen, I wouldn't be shocked, is all I'm saying. Okay. You see him going somewhere else or just going back to my I just, just going back to Canada. Bali and Bonza, we've talked about that team before. This was all about reps for Bonza. And that was all this really was, just like Oiwa and Kiyomiya. But uh, Bonza looked fine. Uh, really, I, I'm not dying for him to come back, but if he came back, I'd be fine with it. You know, He did fine. Uh, Folly did not look fine. He really no longer wrestles at New Japan level. Uh, he is uh, a lot heavier. He's a lot less mobile and uh, just not uh, it, uh, Folly looks like he's kind of aging out of the New Japan's uh, level. Is, of it, is it a poor joke to say bad luck fail? Uh, it's just uh, the, the extra weight he put on hurt him a lot. He just did not look good at all in there. He was there to, he was there to give Bongza an opportunity and Good on him for doing so. I just am curious about his whole school and his operation. If there are where everyone else is besides his uh, his golden prodigy here. Yeah. And then we have Suzuki and Nagata. Now they had a bit of a feel good story right there. We mentioned that they beat Archer and Zane for their first win in Osaka. Then they had uh, they gave. Uh, by the way, this is funny. I thought uh, Suzuki gave fist bumps to both Archer and Zane, but not to Nagata as he was. <laughs> Just bringing him along. In Kochi, they did lose to Bishamon as part of Bishamon's comeback story. But they gave him a good tussle. And that was part of the story in the backstage comments that, you know, we're not that far away from the top teams there if we work together. Well, look what happened when they did work together. We got teamwork on the final night against Banza and Fale. Suzuki had a choke on Banza. Nagata managed to get rid of Fale. Suzuki then shoved Banza toward Nagata. Yuji Nagata gave him the exploder. Suzuki moved in with uh, with the cat-like reflexes, gave him the gotch-style pile driver, and won. Afterwards, after all this, after all the angry uh, words between the two, they shook hands, they raised arm together, arms together in victory, and went out to Katsu Minare together. It was the feel-good moment of the tournament. <laughs> this is what I think it could happen. I think Suzuki's joining Hontai, and we're just getting full-on Hontai Suzuki into the twilight, like just wrestling matches. You know, now Suzuki would have gone a year later. This whole story, Ren Narita leaving and defecting. I think I think this is where we're going with it. And I'm totally fine. Yeah, it, it really looks it, it was good. It, it felt good. It, it seems about right. Right now you can't he's at that stage of his career now where you can't really make him a heel anyway. The crowd just likes the guy too much. Yeah. So we might as well make him the crusty old guy that's on our side now. We are at a point where when he shows up in New Japan, from New Japan in AEW, everyone just loses their mind. It's like, oh, Minoru Suzuki is here. 
it doesn't matter what's going on in Japan, who he's feuding with, who he's wrestling with, who he's wrestling against. It just doesn't matter. So if you just have him as the esteemed gruff baby face old man that comes in and will wreck you if you step out of line, it's going to work out great no matter where he goes. There you go. And then uh, Dunstan mentions this. It's a, it's a shame they don't allow. Uh, excuse me, uh, let me get that thing coming. It's a shame they don't allow older talent to have one last shot at the titles. The video they did got a ton of viewers. This is a good video. That thing of the forty years of hate between Nagata and Suzuki. That was really well done. And uh, yeah, and he said that the A Block had more story beats compared to B Block. I think they both had. You had the comeback story in B. That was the main thing. It's just the, the, the comeback and then the leaders fading at the end. That was the story of B. Uh, they did it with two teams each there. So A had a little, I suppose, more twists and turns there. So we go on to some notes here. Uh, Master Wato quietly had a really good tournament. He was in a lot of the preview tag matches, and he got a lot of the wins. He he almost always won when he was in there with his Vindaval. Uh Again, nothing happens by accident. So we might be seeing Wato step up to the winner of Desperado and Hiromu again. Because they made sure to see Watto, made sure we saw Watto get a lot of victories on this trip. So. Yeah, I I liked how Watto had come back. We got Shingo coming back. We had a few other people coming back and making their returns. Uh, Okada, Okada and Tanahashi also showed up, and uh, they they had a bit of fun with their their match. And then, man, we got we got to get into that Kaido Kiyomiya Okada showdown that happened this morning as well. That was. Yeah. That was some. That was some fun as well. Yeah, those two are still at each other's throats. It almost makes me wonder if they're not going to do something at the at a Noah show, maybe, or it, certainly they're going to clash again. They're going to clash again. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It might be time to do that at a Noah show, so that at least Kiyomiya can save a little bit of face in it. But that. they definitely, they definitely surprised a lot of people. Uh, they throw that match on there very quietly, and then if they haven't, they haven't, they didn't even go at each other at. Um, the G1, I don't think. Like, they, they had a, a block. card match, but they were completely different blocks, and they didn't advance or anything like that. So this is the first time they touched, and boy, you felt like uh, Kiyomiya could not wait. And it was a fantastic little uh, undercard subplot, if you want to make a cha- time for that. On what, the December 7th show? Yeah, December 7th. And uh, is it, uh, well, yeah, let's see. Uh, and Colin asks, What do you make of Ibushi facing Naomi Maro Fuji on the January 2nd show for Noah? That's everyone, uh, almost every company has some sort of big event going on Wrestle Kingdom week, and uh, that's one of the big feature matches for Noah. And it's a bit of a probably a dream match type of scenario for Ibushi to, to face Maro Fuji. We saw Will Ospreay get his match with Maro Fuji finally. So I think it's just a matter of everybody trying to put together something special for Tokyo Dome Week there. And uh, we know Ibushi's not coming back to New Japan anytime uh, soon right there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a chance for him to go and have a probably be a pretty good match. We'll see what's left of Ibushi. It hasn't been encouraging in AEW, but hopefully he gets it together and and looks a little better. Uh, I'm fine with it. Sounds like fun. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. (laughs) Uh, Dunson says I'm going to sound like a prick, but I would trade... Uh, I would trade uh, talent and NJPW to keep take uh, Kato. I think we might see Kato a lot more in New Japan in the fairly near future. I'm just reading. You don't much. have to trade off any talent to get Kiyomiya. We're, okay. I, I think he'll be coming and going with uh, relative frequency as his young boy Oiwa uh, loses on his behalf. 
Megan said, uh, now they should make Cato do the, I'm going to hit five more finishers and pin you, but fail instead. Oh, man. Oh, we're going to talk about a match in which you're hit with multiple finishers, my friend. Just <laughs> you wait. <laughs> now, uh, i got some notes. Got some notes here. Uh, I also wanted to mention, by the way, uh, Bolton Oleg was on this tour a lot. And just to show you how different he is than the other young lions, he never got beat. Uh, he didn't always win, but someone else took the fall in his matches. That's almost never true when a young lion is in a tag match uh, on the losing side. He also, I noticed this one, Jeremy, you notice how Lance Archer would go around and forearm the young lions around ringside? He never did it to Oleg, which is not, he had to have been told that, but not him. He's just presented differently, and I think he's just going to get washed when he finally breaks out of his young lion thing. He's not ready yet. The he's bowl old. of Bullet Club. I can't they wait. They're going to need a new file, right? Literally, the bowl of Bullet Club. I, 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 I've given it to you right oh. there. Even, or even there for the beginning. Uh, a couple other notes right here. Uh, it was a mixed bag as far as the attendance. That's 625 people that showed up in Wakayama. That's the best crowd for wrestling there. Uh, since the Dragon Gate Memorial Gate show, Dragon Gate Memorial Gate in uh, 2018, which is, uh, and, and uh, Memorial Gate is held in Wakayama annually. But it's the biggest crowd uh, since that. Uh, and 952 in the Osaka Prefectural Gym number two is the uh, largest crowd they've uh, ever had for wrestling in that room. Very. Of course, there's also the Edion Arena and Osaka Show Hall. So it's by far the biggest uh, for uh, wrestling in Osaka. But uh, for that little building right there, Biggest uh, there's ever been for wrestling. But Kyogo was down a little bit from the road to Dantaku, down about uh, 300 people. Kochi was down from last year's tournament, uh, about 140 people. And Saga was down 200 from last year's tag tourney. So a bit of a... This week they have been down in the south. They'll continue to be in the south, the southernmost island of Japan, uh, touring around that building. Uh, and so, uh, by the way, the 1,288 in Miyazaki, uh, was the biggest crowd there since the All Japan Anniversary Tour in 2010. Well, that's way south in Japan, about almost as far south as you can go. They usually run Kagoshima when they're in that area and not Miyazaki. They're running Kagoshima tomorrow. So there you go. That's uh, just some just some audio. You know, I'm a venue nerd. I got to get that stuff in. Bro, I do the graphics. You do the new notes. We, uh, <laughs> we're a fine team. <laughs> well, here we go. You want to know what's in the Alex Zane meal? <laughs> yes. So there are two of them actually. There's one that is 1,500 yen, and one that is uh, 2,000 yen. So there you have it. Though. There are actually two of them. So it involves a taco supreme, something that is unidentified that comes on a very flat square tortilla, but it looks like a pile of meat and cheese, like everything else at Taco Bell. That most of the food at Taco Bell is the same. It's just presented differently. It's either in a taco shell. If it's, it's laid out. If it's you heard the Jim Gaffigan story, what goes in what goes in a burrito? Meat, cheese, beans, lettuce, rice. What goes in a taco? Meat, beans, cheese, lettuce, rice. What goes in an enchilada? Meat, beans. <laughs> yeah, he's right. I, I've managed to spend almost forty nine years avoiding Jim Gaffigan. I, I intend on doing the rest of them that way. You're welcome. But, I've given you your five percent, but point zero five percent to confirm that you don't need any more. There it is. Uh, you also get cinnamon twists, of course you do, right? Then they have something called the Cheesy Core. Now, this is a Japan-exclusive item, and this is a cheese roll-up inside of a burrito. They do that everywhere. Oh, really? They, they said yeah, that? I think, you do, I think you can do that at, like, Chipotle, where you well, just get cheese inside your tortilla, and then you just 
and then you go even more nuts on it. No, it's like a, it's like a cheese. It's, it's like just cheese inside of a tortilla, and I stick uh -huh. the tortilla inside of the burrito. Oh, <laughs> so there we okay. go. So that, I thought marijuana called, wasn't allowed in Japan. That is called the that is called the deadly cinnamon twister meal, and then the taco. The, what is it called? The fold taco driver meal. That is uh, 2,000 yen. That includes a taco, a regular taco, a taco supreme, yep. a cheesy core, a quesadilla, and cinnamon twist. So that's a, a healthy portion of food. I am so sorry for Alex saying when his metabolism is no longer able to control this. <laughs> ah, yeah, I miss those days. Like, oh, my know? goodness. That just sounds like a nightmare. I'm just crying on the inside. No, stop. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Oh, to be young and able to metabolize anything. <laughs> so looking ahead to the week ahead here, we have the semifinals of World Tag League. That will be uh, Friday, December 8th, so tomorrow morning in Kagoshima. Uh, War Dogs against Bishamon, TMDK versus Hikaleo, and ELP. The finals will take place Sunday, December 10th in Kumamoto. Again, we're staying in that farthest south island of the Japanese uh, islands. And uh, it's a good idea there, Jeremy. I, I also learned this not too long ago through something else, that the north of Japan has some cities, some of the cities in the north of Japan are in the, uh, get some of the highest levels of snowfall on planet Earth, anywhere, more than like Scandinavian countries, Canada, Arctic Circle, just where North Japan is located within the Pacific Ocean. When it gets cold, they get incredible amounts of snow dumped on them. So it's probably best this time of year to stay down south. All right. So, you want to hear something completely random to Japan that I did this past weekend? Please. I went and saw Godzilla Minus One at IMAX, which is the limited release from Toei, the $15 million Godzilla film that they released okay. uh, that came out. It was a, only going to be out for like one week in the States, but it's done so well. And the reaction to this film is so staggeringly positive. And by the way, this Godzilla film is awesome. Uh, <laughs> That if you get a chance, it's not like the Godzilla films that you see from like the United States like studios. This thing is all in subtitles, completely Japanese cast, set in World War II post uh, post Japan. I I'm totally sorry for hijacking it, but I cannot tell you enough. Go see this movie if you just want to get a feel for both Godzilla, Japanese culture, and the whole vibe of it all. It is fantastic. Okay, well, duly noted. We'll keep that in mind. Uh, Colin has a little note here before we get into our look back in the past. Uh, Colin says, you see the attendance number for today's stardom show? The number was 114. Like 114 is the amount of people that showed up? Ooh, yeah. That's seemingly the worst they've ever had, and Rossi wasn't happy. Well, I should hope not. He's not. Uh, boy, you know, stardom has had so many injury issues. They've been decimated by injuries. It's interfered with the stories that he's wanted to tell. It looks like he is on the way to getting Micah and Suzu Suzuki in the ring for Dream Queendom. That's it looks like that one's going to be the main event there for the World of Starving title. But talk about a company decimated by injuries. Tam Nakano out for long term. Uh, Natsupoi out for a long time. We just got Utami mm -hmm. back. Uh, Sayakamatani just came back, so that's good. We got Aphrodite back. That's that's healthy, and I believe they got the goddess titles. But man, they, they have had Starlight Kid was out for a long time. We're back. Koguma hurt. So many top draws hurt, and it's thrown everything so out of whack as far as the stories Rossi has uh, been able to 
wants to tell, has been able to tell. And I wonder if the fans are just like, can, they just know that like confused about right the stories, <laughs> confused about the stories, not into it because normally stardom stories have that long, beautiful buildup and the long-term storytelling. He hasn't been able to do any of it. He had to shift everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do wonder if that's really coming home to roost right now. 114 is a rough attendance number. For, that's going back to their uh, their old days and that tiny little building where they started there. And uh, that's that's not okay. I mean, sometimes fans are just like, okay, we know that things are not going right right now, and we will be back, but we're just not going to be coming to the youth these shows right now, which isn't always great, but there is that mentality. It's like, we're just going to take our break right here while you figure out what you're going to do and we'll be back. But, you know, like, this is going to right now. We're not going to get you, we're not going to be coming through the door this time. And I'm hoping the New Japan fans come back too once we're done with this uh, failed experiment of Sonata as champion and Naito's in there and people believe in the champ again. So, How's that for transition? Let's talk about Titsu and Naito. Now, we're going over this as he approaches his main event match with Sonata for the IWGP World Heavyweight title at Wrestle Kingdom. We wanted to look back at some of his past key Wrestle Kingdom matches. Now, uh, he has he had been at uh, with Yujiro Takahashi as Team No Limit, a junior tag team, at Wrestle Kingdoms 3 and 4. At Wrestle Kingdom 5, he challenged and lost to Jeff Hardy for the TNA title. And that was in 2011. But in January 4th, 2012, at Wrestle Kingdom 6, he was in the semi-main event of the entire show on what turned out to be a key night for New Japan Pro Wrestling in many ways. Our man, Tetsuya Naito, faced Kaiji Mudo in the semi-main of that show, Wrestle Kingdom 6. The main event, by the way, was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Minoru Suzuki for the IWGP title. Mm -hmm. Tanahashi won that match. Earlier in the night, Jeremy, uh, uh, Kazuchika Okada came back from excursion, defeated Yoshihashi, and later challenged Tanahashi after the main event. And in an um, event that everyone was very shocked with, that is not the way New Japan normally did things. A uh, guy comes back from excursion, wins a match, challenges the world champion. Some people snickered at this idea. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, this guy's going to beat Tanahashi. Well, he did. And he became, of course, the rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. That was the night that on the semi-main event, Tetsuya Naito, on the brink of stardom, but once again, as the theme would be for a couple of years here, not quite at the top, was it? Eight so, your turn this time, kiddo. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, in that context, what are your thoughts here as we watch this back uh, from 2012, Naito's first major, major, almost main event singles match that's going to be the story of his life, almost, isn't it? I was, in hindsight, when I watched this match, a little underwhelmed. But I also knew the finish of the match going into it. I knew some of the scenarios going into it. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know that whole aspect of that part because I'm slowly revisiting the old Wrestle Kingdom because I experiment and uh, revisit it. Because there are huge gaps in my my old knowledge of it. So I'm, I'm watching this and I'm just like, I see the glimpses of the brilliance that he has later. It's all there now, but I feel like he's being held back by Mudo in this match. So it was, it was really interesting to see him be there, but I didn't know if it was by design by Mudo or by design of the company because it wasn't his night. Mudo is not one to put other people over. <laughs> he just never is. Uh, that's, that's not the way Keiji does it. It's about Keiji. 
But uh, what we got here was still uh, stardust Tetsuya Naito. He had been on his excursion and came back very recently from this. So he was just back from excursion. He did. He was still doing the eye-opening thing. I don't know if people know what this is, but it's his response to the very racist uh, attitudes in Mexico. He discovered where they would just say, why are your eyes closed? Because, you know, uh, this is the way he looks and things. But, uh, but he was smiling. He was gregarious. Uh, but that would this would be what the people the, pulling his eye open is what the, the fans in CMLL did. Like, why are your eyes closed? So basically being racist against Asian people. Not, not the best thing. Not the best look. But uh, he, he uh, co-opted that. Uh, but So he was doing that. And he was also doing a lot of smiling. He was much more animated and gregarious. He was not the ingobernable Naito as of yet. And he had Polvo de Estrella on his uh, tights in Spanish there. That was uh, Stardust. What that means there on his, on his tights. So he was still Stardust Tetsuya Naito. And Muto was uh, definitely older, uh, gray in the uh, Van Dyke there on his face, but he was in good shape and he moved better than now. Uh, although he still yeah, was yeah, he definitely to moved. Although later on in the match, he was starting to he was starting to feel some of the some of the match so far. He started wasn't moving quite well. We got later on in that match. Yeah. And uh, Muto was uh, uh, Muto uh, worked the mat uh, for about the first seven minutes of the match. It was almost all mat work. Um, Muto began hitting dragon screws on the floor when they spilled to the floor. Finally, how uh, many? Muto, how many were there? Over ten dragon screws by Muto in this match. Over and over again. I mean, he really had his moves set. It's somewhere down. between ten and twenty. It looked just like the mat-based work was not like uh, anything other than oh, another dragon screw leg. <laughs> And there was a psychology to it, you know, wearing down Naito's knees and, and whatnot. But it was almost, it was a bit much. His moveset on this thing, he tried that elbow drop that he used to do with such speed, and it didn't have as much speed in it, uh, but he missed it. But this was mostly dragon screws, shining wizards, and figure fours. That's really what this match was made up of. Offensively. A lot of shining wizards. Yeah, a lot of shining wizards. And, uh, and, uh, also, I want to mention this. I, I've noticed this. If you watch this match, go back and watch this match. Uh, Naito is out on the floor. Getting, he got dragon screwed over the rail at one point. Helping him up was a young lion, Hiromu Takahashi. And uh, if you also want to see what El Desperado looks like without the mask, he's there. Uh, he had actually wrestled in the pre-show match on that show. He teamed with uh, Honma oh. to, uh, in a loss as uh, Kiyosuke Mikami. Uh, lost uh, uh, to Captain New Japan and Tamatanga there. So you can see Despe uh, without the hood. Yeah, it wasn't Desperado yet. Uh, and then uh, you also see Bad Luck Fale at ringside. Uh, so as- the ring was elevated, right? There was yeah. like a play, it was on like a small platform because when I was watching the announcers, they were recessed in. The table was like a little bit recessed next to the platform area. And I was, I was a little confused because I watched. Muto stepped back, and I couldn't quite tell if he was stepping down or just stepping backwards. It's on a platform. They do the platform when they're in the dome. Right? The, the platform is always there on the dome, and it's what ended Rick Root's career, actually, because uh, right. at it. a Tokyo Dome show, he landed on that awkwardly on that little platform. He I wasn't that. sure if they, if they still did the platform. I just couldn't remember for sure. They still do, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the figure four was one of Muto's big signature moves, uh, going back to when he defeated uh, Nobuhiko Takata with it in, in the, with the UWFI feud in the 1990s. He won a major match in the Tokyo Dome with the figure four. He got the move over in one night again, over again. Uh, it had kind of uh, fallen out of fashion after Ric Flair. 
Uh, and then uh, you saw speedster offense from Naito. He had been a junior heavyweight with no limit and uh, wasn't far away from that in those no. days. And although he doesn't look, yeah, although he doesn't look much smaller than he looks now, uh, his the speed was more the working style than anything else. He uh, wrestled like a junior heavyweight in a lot when he was mm-hmm. on offense. Yeah, he, he had way more in the tank in terms of uh, agility and lightness. If that makes any sense, uh, he still has the ability to gracefully slide across and over his opponents with the Destino and some of the other ways that he wrestles, but it pales into comparison what it seemed like he was able to do in this match with Muto in terms of uh, being able to crawl around his body in a lot of ways. I thought this was interesting. This was something you don't see Naito do at all anymore. If you ever want to see him just do a springboard up to the top rope and deliver a missile dropkick, he did it in mm-hmm. this one. So. Uh, his big move back then was the Stardust Press, and that was a twisting moonsault. Uh, he missed it, and that was when the Shining Wizard began in earnest. And boy, it seemed like the rest of the match was just Muto trying to hit Shining Wizards on Naito. doing From it. every angle and from every vantage point. <laughs> that was the story of the match. And in the end, he did manage to get his last hurrah sort of win at a Wrestle Kingdom. He pinned uh, Tetsuya Naito a little over 20 minutes, I believe the match time was. And uh, that was that was the story of it there, where Naito once again stepped up to a major name and may have, as the story went back then, overextended himself and found himself uh, with a veteran he could not quite handle. So, again, the story, he challenged Jeff Hardy, lost. Challenged Keiji Muto, lost. Story on him was always the not quite for uh, Tetsuya Naito, but big plans ahead for him. Yeah, uh, there. I like this match. I thought it was good, but I was. I'm very curious to see if the Stardust Press plays a part in the match in a couple weeks with Sonata, and it being in this match and being a miss and a hit. Uh, we may be revisiting that. Thing. Uh, we may be revisiting the startup press and its relevancy going forward. There is a comment from Colin Matthey. Uh, yeah. Do you think he'll get his roll call What with Okada floating, floating the idea of a fan vote to decide the main event? This is interesting because I don't know, but our next, uh, our next one that we're going to do is Wrestle Kingdom 8. And do you remember what the significance of Wrestle Kingdom 8 was? Well, certainly. I mean, but I believe that is the one where Naito had won the G1 mm-hmm. and was challenging. Uh, what was he? he? Was challenging Hiroshi Tanahashi, right? For the no, uh, he was challenging Okada. Oh, he was challenging Okada, and the oh yes, pardon me, I had that reversed. So he was yes. challenging Okada for the World Heavyweight Title. However, mm-hmm. the other match, the other key match, was for the Intercontinental Title: Shinsuke Nakamura against uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Fan vote determined that the Intercontinental title match was the main event. It was kind of a catalyst for them realizing that Naito needed a change. And that's where we're going to be discussing next week, right? Yeah. So I don't know if they do that, but it would be delicious irony if that ended up being the case that Okada worked himself into a main event slash the heavyweight title got shuffled down to an undercard match. So, you know, just... Things to consider in the future. I think they are going to tease every way, shape, and form of not delivering that roll call. So when they deliver it, yeah, and I think they will, it's going to be that much sweeter. Here's what I mean. I think they might have Okada tease the idea of a fan vote, but not necessarily do it. 
I don't know if they want to do that because they'll count on Danielson to win it. Uh, but uh, it would be very uh, well. But I think that they're going to say, well, maybe we should do a fan vote. And then, you know, I don't think they're going to. I still think it's going to be last. I still think Naito's going to win. I bet he even gets attacked like Kenta did last time. And somehow either LIJ or he manages to fight him off. I think it's hook and crook, but he's finally going to do the roll call at the end of Wrestle Kingdom. The way they had one of those now or never moments <laughs> all year long, you cannot count on this uh, working out again. And, and it should be the coronation. He should overcome the guy that left him. He should get the title back. He should do the roll call. That's uh, to me, I would be, they would really have to work hard to come up with something very, very special to end Wrestle Kingdom with that's not that. I don't know what they have that's not that that would be as sad as they have. They have gone out of their way to not deliver to the fans moments that they've desperately wanted all year long. So I kind of have a feeling we're getting it happening at WrestleMania. And now, before we uh, sign off here, let's get to some comments. Dunson says, Stardom and New Japan need a massive restructure in 2024 from behind the scenes from a creative and schedule standpoint. This I will agree with. Uh, this has not been. Uh, Rossi Ogawa's strongest year as a booker. It hasn't been Ghetto's strongest year of a book as a booker. I think you can safely say that the Sonata thing has been a failed experiment. Uh, it hasn't worked out. And, uh, yeah, I think they do need to go another direction, but I think they are. I think we're seeing the tag team ranks get back to where they need to be. I think they have some interesting things planned. I think they – we'll see what happens with Finlay. Uh, we'll see how that goes because I do think he's going to get a big push. The leader of Bullet Club always does. But we have now a heel Ren Narita to be a, a interesting protagonist uh, against anyone, really. Yeah. There's a little bit of freshness to the tag team ranks here that it desperately needed. The junior heavyweight ranks are in very good shape. They did manage to bring Watto up all year long, having him have a good showing at Wrestle Kingdom last year, then win Super Juniors. He is a good wrestler. He can be up in that group. And I, I, I'm, in, I'm encouraged. I'm, I'm optimistic. For stardom, he's just got to get a healthy roster back and get his stories back where they needed to go. This was not his best year. I'm not going to try to say that it was. He leans a little bit too much on part-timers and past folks, a little too much on Ai Takahashi coming in there. But I'm I'm hoping that Rossi does get it together. For Ghetto, which I I follow New Japan a lot more closely than I do stardom right now just because the volume of shows. But I feel like Ghetto has a plan. And it's heading in the right track. I hope Rossi does too. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on all of that. I think I think 2024 is a get right kind of year uh, when it comes to a lot of these Japanese promotions. They they kind of need to. It's been a couple of years since uh, the pandemic, and they had this year to to get the the masks off and the cheering and and the crowds back in. They they really need to get underway and and really lay down the groundwork for what they want the next couple of years to be. And they're starting and people are starting to see things. I think people got way more reaction today uh, in the last couple of days with the Ren Narita and uh, in New Japan. And it's just going to take a hot angle or two of stardom, uh, a, a defection from a faction, something like that. That's really going to uh, get the interest going. It's just going to take a hot, hot moment. I'm hoping for Suzu Suzuki, and then we'll get a push for Utami. Yeah, that again. That's that's really what I'm hoping for. I, I my guess was that Utami was going to win five star before she got hurt. That was my thought on that, but uh, who knows? But uh, everybody got hurt. I, 
But I, I hope that Utami comes in. She and Suzu should be fantastic together. And then uh, Venkin Bjorn says, Finlay standing tall at the end of Wrestle Kingdom because fans voted for the Osprey match. Don't think that one's going to be in the vote uh, if they ever do a vote. I don't think they're going to do a vote. But, uh, and then Venkin does says, is there any chance for Finlay Naito after Wrestle Kingdom with Naito? That's what I think is going to happen. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think, I think we're I think we're looking at Finley as the IWGP champion by Dominion, and he takes mm-hmm. it off of night either before New Japan Cup or as a result of the New Japan Cup. But I think by Dominion, uh, I I think he's the guy. He's the big bad, uh, big bad boogeyman of New Japan. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. I do think Ren Narita could also get a run if he beats Amino, say at Wrestle Kingdom. He could be the guy that steps up to Naito because, again, a full-blown heel in that role to contrast with the babyface Naito would work in that sense. Finlay, for sure, again, full-blown heel. But all that stuff kind of makes a lot of sense there. And uh, Finlay is my odds-on favorite, if I were laying down casino odds right now, to uh, win the New Japan Cup. I think that's a good way to get yeah. a push and uh, would work there. I, mean, I know they did it with Sonata last year. I'm not saying he necessarily has to win it, but I, I, I think he would win the Cup. doesn't necessarily have to win the title right away, but uh, I, I do think they have big plans for heels, lining up heels for a babyface Naito. That's, that's just yep. my thought. Yep, I think, I think all those things, I think something happened at Wrestle Kingdom, and Finlay just needs a little bit more in his arsenal, and he maybe recruits somebody or add something to the faction. You know, just kind of an X factor, a heavy, something like that. We're headed. We're heading in a direction where, like it or not, Finley is going to be front and center in in this promotion. And I'm not necessarily sure the US, UK, whatever new title comes about is what they are settling him at. All right. Well, any other things that we need to go over here? No. Thank you for everyone who supported us on the Patreon. You can again. Find us on Speaking of Strong Style on all audio podcast feed. If you're finding us here on YouTube, you will know where to find us in the future on YouTube. Thank you for all your support. You can find me at Jer Feinstone on Twitter slash X and Stephen at Stephen Conway 88 and Twitter and the X. But we don't really use it that much. Sometimes we just advertise the show and, no, and uh, mouth off at whatever local politician managed to get our ire. But that's really it. Uh, X is uh, X is a horrible cesspool of uh, awfulness, and I don't. But I'm on Blue Sky as well, and I'm trying to put the audio feed of that on on my Blue Sky. But I have to put like this post-it note against my computer to remind me of all the places I should advertise this show because I'm terrible at this. <laughs> I'm oh, terrible at advertising our show, Stephen. Oh, Colin's asking, do I unsub from Patreon right away? I, I think it just goes. I think it goes away. Uh, Garrett Gonzalez, if you. If you are on a yearly subscription, he will reach out to you and give you a refund. If you are on a monthly subscription, there is nothing that you need to do. And the subscription will end on its own at the end of the month. Well, we really do appreciate everybody's support. We want to thank you for that. We also want to apologize for audio issues this week. We're going to do everything we can to get those fixed uh, next time. So uh, with that in mind, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for really good interaction, guys. I, mean, I can't thank everybody. It's enough. his favorite thing. I can take it or leave it. I love you guys, but yeah. but Stephen Conway loves the interaction. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, I, yeah, no. Uh, we did the show for two weeks without him, and it drove me insane. Uh, so, yeah, I, I deal, I deal with like quick interactions with people on a daily basis with my work. So just like it's second nature to me. It's not that I like like it or don't like it. It's just it's like a switch that you flip. <laughs> 
Well, I like it because I think we have some of the smartest uh, viewers no, listening I, out there. So I love, it's, I love Colin Venkin. Oh, everybody. Joe yeah. Brad today, but you know, Shark. I always show Brad some love. Yeah. Sam, of course, from uh, Power Bombshells. Glad she was here too. So don't forget about that show. Like Sunstin. Sunday's a flaming yeah. shark. <laughs> yeah, all those guys. Thank you very much. We do appreciate uh, all of you uh, who uh, support us and will continue to do so. We're going to keep doing this show because we love doing it. So for Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Connolly. Thank you for watching and listening to Speaking of Strong Style, and we will talk to you again very soon.